Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. It is a glorious Wednesday morning. Stayed up late last night, kind of, sort of. It was one of the, again, uh, it's it's been rough lately. I'm not in a good position to be staying up late at night, so... It, 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 most nights, I just, like early on in April, beginning of May, when the Astros were on the West Coast, I stayed up. No, I just did it. It wasn't always easy, but I did it. But lately, I've been so out of it that um, it's like I'm up, and then I'll catch myself from dozing off, so I got to rewind and see what I miss, and then I uh, watch a little bit, and then – I doze off, and then I got to rewind and see what I miss, and then I'm out, and then I rewind and see what I missed, and the game's over. So, and fortunately, it's um, it was a great victory last night. Now, still not great hitting. I I don't know what it's going to take. Yuli did have a couple good at bats last night, which is good to see. One of them was a line drive to deep right center that Pache track down but still it was a good at bat um he did have a big double Ren McCormick well we call him Ren in my family because that's just a nickname thing Ren had a great night he got a clutch two out RBI single and then he had a home run to give him the lead for good and so tremendous job by him and you know he's you look at his stats and they don't really look that good. But as you're when you watch him play, it seems like he's done better than his stats look. It's weird. And I think it's because he's gotten a lot of big hits. But, you know, he the the game before, he got an RBI single to right and seems like he, he's trying to do that a little more. He used to be kind of a dead pull hitter. And I think that's going to open some things up for him. So uh, I, I'm, I don't know if or when Myers is ever going to be back, but Siri's done fine, and McCormick's done pretty well. I think. I mean, I I don't I don't even if even if Myers never comes back, I think they're going to be fine in center field. Um. Christian Javier looked bad again last night. I, I I don't I don't know what the deal is with Christian Javier. I, I had really high hopes for him. It's he's had some good performances, so it's not like oh no, he's in deep trouble. But again, he's had way too many rocky outings, way too many base runners, way too many base runners. And uh, I I you know it's it's hard to say. You won three to one, and you're saying that your starting pitcher did bad, but to me, he did. He only lasted four innings. I don't know what his whip was, but 
it was, you know, it seemed like he had two or three base runners in every inning. And they did something that I just don't understand the logic behind the A's. I'm not a huge fan of the contact play with a runner on third at, at all, although I understand the value of it. When I, when I'm, but I'm really not a huge fan of the contact play with a runner on third with no outs. With no outs. Now, I guess, like, if you have, in the old days, call them the old days now, you know, when the pitcher used to hit, when he used to play baseball the way it's supposed to be played. Um, If you had a bad hitting pitcher on deck and it was early in the game, I guess I could, and it was, even then I don't think I'd want to do it. But especially if it was like one out and you had a really bad hitter up. Then I guess you 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 just roll your dice and hope the throw is wide or whatever. But with no outs, why would you ever put the contact play on? Seriously. With no outs. Unless the guy on deck is just strikes out like almost every time he bats, or he's like a bad hitting pitcher. And that that's that one's out the window at the professional, at the major league level anyway, because pitchers don't hit anymore. But it's just um it just doesn't make sense. I now look. I was very glad they did it because they had it's it's they were up one nothing. They had I think it was one maybe it was one one at the time, and they had runners on second and third and nobody out. And they and Murphy hits a ground ball to to Bregman at third and 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 they, and they had the contact play on and he runs like what are you running for? I I, I don't. I just, I will never understand that. The contact play with nobody out. I, it, it you know, I enjoyed it because it helped the Astros, but it still frustrates me to see it. Uh, the Astros stranded their fair share of runners. Castro hit into a double play with the bases loaded and one out. Paul Ball, they had another bases loaded situation and nobody out and didn't score. Um, and they had El Perro up, and um, he popped out, and then uh, Yuli struck out. Yuli does not normally strike out in those situations. So it's you know again, it's not everything is going smoothly and swimmingly, but they're winning, and and you gotta feel like at least I do that. Um, as long as they keep winning, it'll be fine. The hitting will come around. Um, who knows when Odorizzi's going to come back and how he's going to pitch. But if McCullers comes back the second half and does anything like he, you know, McCullers is going to be like a June, you know, a late July pickup. If he, if, you know, that's really what he's, he's going to be like a midseason pickup because you hadn't had him all year. And hopefully he can pitch about as good as he did last year, which was very good for most of the season. Uh, and, and, you know, at that point, Javier may not, you know, probably won't even be in a rotation, but he's just got, he was all over the place, walking people left and right. He just had a bad outing. So um, it's too many of those this year. I'm a little surprised. Hopefully he can get in some in a better groove the second half of the season. Continue to be just 
thoroughly impressed with Rafael Montero and you know that's the thing about these all-star break moves all, we went on and on and on last year about the Abraham Toro why in the world would the Mariners trade Kendall Graveman for Abraham Toro and it was all about Graveman and Graveman and he kind of he didn't actually pitch well for the Astros and then the throw-in in that deal was Montero, and that guy's pitched great so far. I mean, they had basically they were going to release him. They just he was a throw-in in the trade, and now Graveman's off day to day and doing you know he's doing okay, but he wasn't what he was supposed to be for the Astros, and he did pitch well in the postseason. I'll, I'll give him that, but down the stretch he didn't really pitch all that well. And and then they get this throw in Montero, and he's done fabulous for him. He's aggressive. He's been falling behind in counts a little too much lately. I, he needs to stop being 2-0 all the time, but uh, he, he's been really good. So encouraged about that. Um, by the way, the um, Astros play a day game today. So um, you can hear... Astros baseball, 237 first pitch. Game three of that series in Oakland. And you can hear it live right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Let's see. I, I meant to look it up before, and I got distracted. Yeah, that's what I thought. Verlander is due to pitch. So it's not a real good feeling. You've lost the first two games of a – of a series and you got to face Verlander and you got to face Verlander coming off his first lighting of the season where he got lit up by Seattle. By the way, we're today is June the 1st. Remember we discovered that last week that today was June the 1st. Um, first of all, happy birthday to my brother, Jason. He turns 50 today. So that means he's really old. Um, and um, second of all, that means at some point during the show today, we're going to look at the major league standings for the first time this season. I actually did glance at it this morning. And there were a few teams that kind of surprised me a little bit. And we'll, we'll, um, that's kind of been a standing rule for a long time. You don't look at the standings till June the 1st. And I know this year's June the 1st is a little earlier because it started later, but I stuck with June the 1st. But no, um, 237 Astros going for a sweep. And I don't know if you noticed last night, but uh, the Mariners had a great game and against the Orioles. And I, I think the Mariners are going to have are going to play well over the next couple months. I hope they don't get back in the division race, but I think they'll be back in the wild card race pretty quickly. We'll see how that plays out. They've got a lot of young players. They were kind of treading water and sinking at times early this season, but I, I think they'll they'll be making a run because their pitching is underachieved. And um, you know, if they don't trade any of their starting pitching, and especially if they can maybe acquire one of them, uh, I think they're going to be uh, in in pretty good shape. I think the Punks got beat again last night by the Pirates, uh, which is always good to see. 
So it's it's uh, all around. It's a pretty good, um, pretty 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 satisfying day for the um, for this group anyway in Major League Baseball. Uh, again, the game hotline is seven zero six zero one one one. You won't have. We'll be doing an interview with Cokie Riley, talking some college baseball, focusing a little more on the Hattiesburg region where LSU is going to be in the next segment, and then we'll be getting back to some high school football, talking to Karen Crow, head coach Tony Corville, in about an hour. And so in between all that, there will be time for some phone calls, and then we'll be making some um, general impressions of our first glance at the major league standings. It's um, There's some teams that have dug themselves a hole for sure. And there's some teams that are that are looking pretty good, and a few that their record is maybe a little better than uh, the the probably many think that it is. Well, you got to give them a little bit of credit. So we'll be um, reviewing all those things. All right, let's take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll talk some college baseball, focusing on the Hattiesburg Regional with Cokie Riley next. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Kevin Foote is a walking, talking encyclopedia of New Orleans Saints history. No. Seriously. After that is 2013, which I call the forgotten Saints season because in so many people's mind, the Saints streak of good football ended with the Bounty Gate season. And it's not just recent history either. In 88, they finished 10 and 6, tied for first place in the division, did not make the playoff because they got cheated by a blind official named Fred Silver who absolutely cheated, uh, stole a game on Sunday night in a 13 to 12 loss to the Giants with his either blindness and epic or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I think he was just blind and senile. We return to the man who's forgotten more Saints history than you will ever know. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. To footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. I want to remind you about our 10th, I keep wanting to say anniversary, but we're saying 10th birthday bash. 10 years on Wednesday, June 22nd, from 5 to 9 o'clock on Wednesday, June 22nd. You can come and experience uh, delicious wings, amazing door prizes, as well as appearances from all your favorite 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles personalities. Also, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. And where is it going to be held? Let's ask our guest now, Cokie Riley. So, Cokie, if I told you we're going to meet for a, we're going to meet at B-dubs, would you know where that was? Yes. 
See, you're young and hip, okay? I I never heard of this B dubs thing. If I would if I told my girl my, my family, I was like, hey, we're gonna meet after work at B dubs for dinner, they would that they they would start laughing at me and say, Who have you been talking to? That's what they would tell to. <laughs> That'd be um Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo um, Wild Wings, yes. Okay. It's just a shorter version to say Buffalo Wild Wings. Um but yeah, I I guess I would. Um but, uh, I, a, I always just called it Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> that's yeah, just that's what I went answer. with. Yeah. All right. Well, that was an uh, unusual transition. But I, but you're younger, so I figured you were hipper. You would know what B-dubs was, and we're just trying – you know, I'm just trying to figure that out. But anyway. All right. So not a lot of people – were surprised that LSU got sent to the Hattiesburg Regional. I think a fair amount of us were surprised that there weren't more Louisiana teams like the Cajuns maybe and or Southeastern, but none of that happened. Uh, as it turned out, you're the only – LSU's the only Louisiana team in the Hattiesburg Regional. What do you think of it overall? Um, I was in the room when uh, – I, I was in the room with LSU and uh, – it really, the, it was the media and the entire team, and, and uh, over in Baton Rouge the other day, and I think everyone in the room got really silent when the Hattiesburg Regional uh, they, they announced they were going to announce the teams in the Hattiesburg Regional because I think everyone just sort of assumed that that would be the spot, especially when some of the other spots sort of got shot down as the selection show sort of moved on. Um, and uh, yeah, then they announced LSU's name. No one was particularly surprised. Um, obviously, everyone was happy just to get the name get called um, from LSU's perspective. But I think the I think I guess the slight surprise for me was just sort of the teams that they're going up against. I mean, you mentioned no Louisiana teams. Um, the fact the other two teams were Kennesaw State and Army. It's it's a it's a strange little regional. Uh, of teams and uh, and from a competitive standpoint, I think for a draw standpoint, I, I think LSU uh, ends up getting a pretty good deal here. I think other than hosting, it was the next best option for L. I mean, Hattiesburg is not that far from Baton Rouge, and um, and now and um, you know, you, if you're a two seed and you're traveling and you're just going a hop, skip, and a jump, and there's going to be a lot of fans there now. Although. From my understanding, I've never done a baseball game at Southern Miss, but my understanding is Southern Miss really packs them in pretty good. So getting a ticket as an LSU fan may not be that easy when they play Southern Miss, from what I understand. Yeah, the game's already um, heading towards a sellout, is sold out, uh, something along those lines. Um, I think we released released the story yesterday on that. Um, I wasn't particularly on it as closely since I didn't do the story, but that's what I saw at least. So, uh, yeah, they pack it in pretty good over there. But I, I think either way, I mean, the fact that they only have to drive two and a half hours to get to this game is um, pretty easy. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I, I feel like they got a pretty darn good draw. I, I think overall you I, you can't really ask for much more. Um and also, you could even ask the question, like, would you rather have the 15th or 16th spot win and host a regional and then play then play the Super Regional at a place like Tennessee or Stanford? Or would you um, not rather not host, um, end up kind of where they are right now, and then have to play a Super Regional on the road still, but have it be, you know, like Miami or something like that? 
Well, um, and, and speaking of Miami, you're matched up with Miami. So if LSU that's, that's does, why I mentioned Miami yeah. because I, I I just think that's a much easier super regional matchup. And yeah, I, I guess you could argue that this this was a better scenario than you know being the, the being like the 14th or 15th or 16th regional host. Oh no, absolutely, I, I agree. Um, and, and, you know, if if LSU does win this regional and Miami wins the Coral Gables regional, then there's going to be a lot of historic talk about the matchups in the nineties between those two, which, um, you know, will be fun for people who are big LSU fans back then. But before we get to that, Kennesaw state, I don't know how much looking you've done into Kennesaw state, and I can't give you a whole lot of examples of their history. I just know that Kennesaw state is better at baseball than the average fan would say when they hear Kennesaw State, I never even heard of that. But if you're a baseball fan, you should have heard of this program by now. They normally play a really tough schedule, and they've beaten people before. Yeah, I mean, two and five against the top 25 RPI teams. It's pretty good for a mid-major side. Um, they won the Atlantic Sun Tournament, uh, which is at least fairly impressive. Um, the Atlantic Sun's one of the stronger mid-major conferences, but they still only finished fourth in it, which isn't fantastic in the regular season that's again larger sample size than a conference tournament um uh they've wins against one win against georgia second and win against georgia southern georgia southern is hosting uh so that's that's solid for them um uh they're a very good hitting team 840 team ops 301 team batting average 378 team on base percentage all very good numbers the one huge weakness with this team is their pitching they have a 608 team era uh, that's really, really poor. Uh, they only have two pitchers who have ERAs sub at sub 4.5 on this team. It's their top two starters, uh, John Bezdijek, I believe that's how I that's how you pronounce it. Uh, 3.78 ERAs and pretty good this season. And Jack Myers is a 4.01 and 85 in the third innings pitched. Now, uh, but other than that, it's 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 not this. It's not a very strong pitching staff. Um, so I, I think they can definitely score some runs in this game. Now, what I was told was that their ace pitcher is a left-hander who probably one of the two that you're talking, that you just mentioned the left-hander part of that. Uh, how do you feel like that matchup is for LSU? Yeah, that's a bit dicey. Um, I mean, LSU hasn't had a very good track record against lefties. I think we talked about it a little bit going into the Vanderbilt series. Didn't end up mattering that much. Um, they got the Futrell. Uh, they didn't have to face Carver Holton, um, so they got a little bit lucky there. But either way, I mean, they, you saw at the end of the SEC tournament how much they struggled against Kentucky's lefty. Um, it, it, so it'll be really interesting to see, like, can they just get through that? Um, and, and you're only playing can. can Kennesaw State for this guaranteed to play them for this one game. So um, if you can get through this this kid, then I then I think there's a decent chance that um, you'll be fine. That I guess that would be my point. Uh, but he, the the really the thing with this regional for me, the thing that really stood out when I was doing the research is just that LSU. I mean, this kind of sounds obvious, but it, it becomes even more obvious when you look at the numbers. LSU has played much tougher competition. has a lot more wins against better teams. The, the, the other three teams in the regional have two combined wins against top 25 teams in the RPI. LSU has 10 wins against top, top, top 25 teams in the RPI. It's not even close. Um, and I, I, I just feel like 
I, I don't know. I, I just feel like just the just the general level of competition that LSU plays at, and the fact that they have success against, you know, beating a team like Vanderbilt, um, beating a team like Georgia, I just kind of go down the line with the rec- with their schedule, and I, I, I just feel like having to play that high level of competition sort of shows that you know they're they're awesome number, they're really good numbers just have a lot more weight because of that level of competition than, say, a team like Kennesaw State, which, you know, actually has a pretty decent RPI at, like, 48. Um, but at the same time, how how much weight do you put in their 301, 301 uh, team batting average or 370 team on base percentage when, you know, they only finished fourth in the Atlantic Sun? Or a team like Southern Miss that didn't even win its conference tournament. Um, good team, higher RPI than LSU, but fail to win a game against a top 25 RPI team. So um, I, I, I'm interested to see how that sort of shakes out, but I think it's advantage LSU for sure. Southern Miss, I mean, I they, they played a three-game series uh, in Lafayette, and um, that was the game where uh, Coach Deck still don't want to talk about it because he was ma- still mad at the umpires about that. But but and they they won two out of three. It's, you know the, their their starting pitching was very impressive. They have a couple good hitters. I haven't examined their schedule, but you're saying they don't have any wins against top twenty five RPI teams. Um, but I think pitching and they're going to have a you know I think that's what's going to make it a little tougher. That I think they got pretty good starting pitching. No, absolutely. Um, none of this is going to be easy, but I guess I'm just saying if I had to pick a favorite, I still think it's LSU just because of that level, just the, just that level of competition that they've played, that just chasm of an advantage. I don't think even an advantage, they're just more proven, I guess. Um, when we look at these other teams, they're like, how are they going to react against really good teams? But anyway, um, Southern Miss, as you said, their pitching is, their pitching is fantastic. I mean, Three point one six team, three point one six team ERA, and they have over a hundred more strikeouts as a team than innings pitched, which is those are all fantastic numbers. Tanner Hall, the righty, uh, two point six nine ERA. His WHIP is under one as a starter, which is fantastic. Hunter Riggins, Hurston Waldrop, um, they're all right-handed pitchers, which I, which is uh, which is a good thing for LSU. Uh, but either way, like those guys are going to be tough, and they have a pretty good bullpen as well. So they're pit- they have easily the best pitching staff, top to bottom, um, among these regional teams. All right, uh, so, so the- I, they could easily get out of the regional. Don't get me wrong; they'd probably be my number two team for sure. But if again, if, I'm, I'm probably jumping the gun here again. But I, I, I just feel like LSU sh- should be the team to beat here. In this original. All right. So the the big decision to make here is: Do you throw your ace in the first game? How, it, so how how do you what what are you guessing for LSU and for Southern Miss on that question? Um, I for Southern Miss, I'm not quite sure. I, just because I haven't been covering Southern Miss for the entire season, and they are, and, and also with Southern Miss, like they have three really good options either way. So I it. I guess it would it could make a little difference who they throw, but I, I think either way they'll beat Army. Um, uh, Army isn't a terribly amazing team, but that's what happens when you're the four seed in in these regionals. But anyway, um, for LSU, my guess is they just keep it simple and throw Hilliard. Uh, I, I don't think Jay Johnson likes to terribly overthink these things, 
and Hilliard has been their most proven starter, and I think it'll just help them in general to stay in the winner's bracket in a situation like this. Um, you really want to fool around with Kennesaw State and throw, you know, a Jacob Hasty type <laughs> to start, right, for like an inning or two, and then have like a full bullpen game with the first game, and all of a sudden you lose, and now you're now you're you're in winner go home mode. I think they're just going to try to keep it safe and throw like a pillar in this game. I guess if I'm Southern Miss, you you just try to figure out on paper and after watching some film which which one which of your three pitchers seems like a better matchup for LSU than you. Yeah. You pitch, you pitch one of the others two one of the other two against Army and you go from there. So it'll be interesting. The other thing that's interesting to me about this kind of stuff is LSU's pitching staff. I don't know, but I'm guessing they've never faced have zero. Uh, you know, experience against Kennesaw State or Southern Miss, so there's a little bit of unknown here in, in, in this region. Yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, these, none of these teams played against each other this season, and uh, I, I mean, when when Jay Johnson was kind of asked about some of these teams um, after the announcement, he had he kind of had no idea. So yeah. uh, at the time, I mean, he's going to have more of an idea when we talk about today. Uh, but of course, but I, I just like immediately it, it nothing, not a ton. Wrong well, with, I mean, he spent uh, most of his career so, out we'll west, see. so I mean, there would be no reason for him to have ever really played Kennesaw State or run across yeah. him, and, yeah. and, and, you know, or, or even Southern Miss for that matter. So it's just, uh, I it seemed like that was a big deal for the committee this year. Like they 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 tried to stay away from rematches. If you like, I think that might be one of the big reasons the Cajuns didn't go to Hattiesburg because they played a three game series earlier this year against Southern Miss. And so, um, you know, the committee seems to want uh, newness and and unfamiliarity, and I think it maybe adds to the intrigue. Uh, it adds to travel which I don't quite get the way things are going on in the country right now, but it also adds to the intrigue, so we we will see. All right, well, um, it's regional time, and we'll see how it goes. And next week, we'll either be wrapping it up or seeing what a super regional looks like. I know there's a lot, like I said, a lot of old-school LSU fans that would love a rematch um, and, and relive some of those memories of the great games between Miami and LSU and there's so many connections there with Skip Bertman starting his career there and all. So that would be a dicey super regional. We've got a lot of work to do between now and then. I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. We could also get the uh, Arizona, uh, the Jay Johnson uh, Bowl between Arizona and LSU. Oh, that's yeah, that's true. That that Or or a rematch with Ole Miss. That could be dicey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that might be that might be the matchup that LSU fans least want to see, even though they're the three seed in that <laughs> region. So that's a good yeah. point. That's a great point. I appreciate it. Thank you, Koki. All right, thank you, Kevin. No, boy, that that's kind of an interesting regional. You know, we kind of stumbled across that late, but the Coral Gables, the Arizona thing, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, and then Ole Miss having just swept uh, a couple weeks ago in Baton Rouge for the first time ever. So. Of course, first you got to win the Hattiesburg region. But if that happens, there could be a, it'll be an interesting matchup other than if Canacious wins. But, folks, that's, that's not going to happen. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll take our first glance at the MLB standings. And uh, Hannah reminded us that um, no one's happier today than Jules is. 
His Red Sox got beat 2-1 to one at home by the Reds. Ed Armbrister beat him 2-1. to one. Got to be really old to get that reference. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 1st, 1975, California Angels pitcher Nolan Ryan records his record-equaling fourth Major League Baseball career no-hitter in beating the Baltimore Orioles 1-0. The Ryan Express would go on to throw seven no-hitters. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, one oh four one Lake Charles. You're home for Houston Astros baseball. Remember, Astros can be heard right here. 103.7 Lafayette. Uh, 2.37 first pitch. Verlander versus Cole Irvin. Game three is the Astros go for the sweep. And speaking of the Astros, if you would like to see them in person, you would have a chance, an Astro getaway too. The Chicago White Sox, Saturday, June the 18th, registered the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. You might win four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday evening. Astros getaways, powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston Hotel, downtown, and the game, Southwest. Louisiana Sports Station. All right. The game hotline, as we said, is 706-0111. This segment and the first segment of the next hour. Uh, Certainly it will be open if you would like to get in. But we do want to look at the Major League Baseball standings for the first time. We traditionally do this on June the 1st, and it is June the 1st. Uh, lots of interesting things. Obviously, the Yankees have gotten off to a great start. And after hearing just how tremendous the Yankees have played, and they have. I mean, their run differential is plus 79. They're 19 games over 500. But the only thing that it's kind of strange is that it surprised me when I looked at the standings for the first time is that Toronto really hasn't played very well and they're only five and a half back and the, and the Rays haven't played very well and they're only six back. I mean, Toronto's run differential is zero. The Rays run differential is plus seven, and they're only six back, and the Yankees have played fabulous. So if I was a Yankee fan, I'd be a little worried about that. It's like it seemed like I would have put these teams away a little more, come closer to that point. Um, 
the American League Central is really up for grabs. I mean, I, I don't really trust this Twins team. They got a five-game lead on the White Sox, who are decimated with injuries. The White Sox, who almost everybody picked to win this division. Minus 46 run differential right now. Minus 46. But they're only five games out. They've been totally injured. They have not played well. Uh, and they're only five back. So if I'm a White Sox fan, I'm not really feeling great about how I've played. But I'm looking at the standings on June the 1st, and I'm saying I'm only five games back, which is nothing. Um, and, and I got a whole summer to play. You know, the Guardians, only six back. They're not overly talented. They're only six back. The Tigers and the Royals, I got to tell you, I thought they'd be better. I I expected these teams to be much better than they've been. The Royals have been a complete disaster show this year. I really thought they'd be better. They're minus 73 run differential. They've been miserable. And Detroit, I, I was kind of high on them. Got like four or five of their players on my fantasy team, and Chopin's starting to hit. Mize just got transferred from the 15 to the 60 day. Um, it, they've been, they have not, they have, uh, they have not played well. I, I, I'm surprised at how bad the Tigers and the Royals have been this year. In the Astros division, American League West. Uh, you know, the Angels got off to this red-hot start. They're riding about a five-game losing streak or something. I told y'all to watch out for the Rangers. Uh, I don't really I don't really think the Rangers are going to have enough pitching. If they end up trading Martin Perez, which I think is going to be a very interesting thing because right now, let's see what the um, – Right now, the Rangers would not be that far out of a potential wild card. Right now, they'd be like two or three games out of a wild card race. So that is not. So if they stay anywhere around 500 over the next six weeks, you know, why trade Martin Perez? Unless you just say, well, we're still a young team and we're still rebuilding. And we spent all this money on Simeon and Seeger. Uh, do we really want to not try to get some really good prospects for Martin Perez? I don't know what the Rangers are doing. It seems like they're kind of going for it right now. So they might want to keep him. But they're at 500 right now. I mean, they're, they're, they are 500. They are 500 on the road. They are 500 at home. 500 overall. I mean, they are 500 team right now, but that's better than most people thought they'd be. I don't like playing the Rangers. Um, Seattle's been an uh, an underachieving team so far, but again, uh, I really they're they're, they're ten and a half out. Um, but I I really think they're going to play much better. They're they're counting on some young players. Uh, I think. You know, Gonzalez has pitched great, but some of their their bullpen hasn't been as good as as a, as a lot of people thought it would be, and so I, I think that Seattle is going to make a run. I would not, I would be surprised if Seattle don't finish over five hundred. They're seven under right now on June the first. I, I, I'm I'm guessing that by August the first, there'll be 
fairly fairly comfortably above 500 over the next two months. We'll see how 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 that plays out. All right, I don't know that we're going to have time to get to the to the National League, but overall in the American League, uh, we'll we'll do that next hour. But overall in the in the American League, uh, again, the Yankees have been fabulous. I'm a little surprised that they're not more than five and a half up on the Blue Jays, who haven't played that well. Like, Guerrero's not really hit that well. I can tell you why, because I have him on my fantasy team for the first time ever. Um, and Tampa's not done very well, according to... But still, they're only six back. I mean, six games back on June the 1st is nothing. Like, it's nothing. And so, plenty of time to make runs, and and we'll see. But, you know... Baltimore, we've talked about him and we've teased him. Baltimore's got 21 wins. Um, Jules's Red Sox only have 23 wins. They only have two more wins in Baltimore. Like we like to dr- drill poor Baltimore, but but the Red Sox only have two more wins than them. And and th- those teams though are all at, like better than Oakland. Although Oakland's got 20 wins. Oakland got off to a good start, and since then, they have not been very good. But Detroit and Kansas City, overall, those are the most disappointing. I really thought that division would be closer. It's shockingly how bad Detroit and Kansas, especially Kansas City, has been. Kansas City's 8-15 at home. 8-15 at home. You know how hard it is to be... Minus 73 on your run differential by on June the 1st. You've played less than two months. Unbelievable how bad they've been. All right, we got time for one quick call before we take a timeout. Hello. But yes, sir. I want to make this quick to you. I don't know what it is with you. You can't praise the Yankees and then sit up here and try to take it back and say that's why we winning. Just because the mother team sucked, that does not mean that's why we win. And we just a better team. We're the future champs. We got to stop that foot. Well, I, did, I, I, I didn't say that. I just said I'm surprised you're not up by more games. You praise us about – well, I'll give you that one. I'm surprised, too. We should be undefeated. That's way I feel. But what I'm saying is you sit up here, all oh, the Yankees is winning, all this great stuff. Then you want to start talking about these sorry teams. And you make it sound like this is why the Yankees have the, the – the record they have because these teams is garbage. Come on, man. Come on, foot. Come on. We just the better team and we winning. Well, just, why can't you just say, okay, the it, Yankees it, is winning, doing great this year, and leave it as that. If I if I was playing as well as the Yankees, I'd want to be up by more than five and a half. Let's put it that way. Okay, I can understand that. Yeah. But let's not make that's it look not like we winning that, because they sorry. That's not good. Anyway, we overdue. i got to take a break. All right. Have a good one. All right. Let's, you let's too. You too. We'll be back on the game. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. You know, Paul sounds a little sensitive. Like when you are the big dog, like the Yankees have been um, or perceived to be and have been for years, even though, to be fair, a lot. I think fewer people were higher on the Yankees coming into this season than 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 in most years. Um, 
You can't worry about all that. You're the Yankees. Can't worry about all that. So I, if I was Paul or a Yankee fan, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about what people are saying about you. You just you just um you know, you just keep going you keep going and you keep trying to win and they're starting pitching. I told y'all last year about Jamison Tyon. I thought he would do well. Now, he didn't do quite as good last year as I thought. But I'm not surprised at all that he that he's pitched well. Now, this cat, Nestor Cortez, I, I, I can't explain it. I mean, he looks like, I, I don't know what he looks like. He doesn't look like a major league pitcher. It, it, you know, you, you, you look at that guy, and it's almost embarrassing to lose to him. I don't know if I can, you know, it's just, it's like, how is that guy good? But he sure pitched great. There's no arguing that. He's pitched great. No, their starting pitching has been better. Uh, Holmes has kind of bailed out their bullpen. So we'll see if they can keep it up. I mean, they can't keep playing at this level. But um, if they come close to it, they're going to win a lot of games for sure. All right, that does it for the first hour. Another hour to follow on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome. Back to footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Again, a reminder Astros play a day game today. I love it. I've been struggling to stay up. Sometimes I just can't stay up to that midnight and after midnight on them West Coast games. They just kill me. But, um, Doze off a few times, but I was able to see, rewind, like I said. It's kind of a rough night trying to get to the end, but we made it. Astros won 3-1, to one, but they play a day game today, 237 first pitch. Verlander versus Irvin. We'll see if the Astros can. McCormick had a big night, kind of got out of a slump with a three-hit uh, game. And, again, there were big hits. Home run, uh, single to tie it at 1-1, then a home run to give him the 2-1 lead. And, should have kind of blown the game open and did not do it. So we will see if the bats can get going or the pitching can continue to just dominate. But that game can be heard right here on the game, 103.7. Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles this afternoon. Um, We haven't talked, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm not kind of, I'm very down on the matchup in the NBA Finals. But... You know, it is the NBA Finals. And so I've heard some of the, the talking back and forth about it. Uh, I have no plan on watching it. It's just too disgusting. Like, you know, some people. I remember my old friend Big Dave used to say in these situations would come up. He would say, you're not a fan. You're not a fan. And I would say, no, I'm a fan of the Astros and I'm a fan of the Saints. And. If I get if if watching a matchup 
for a big game, whether it be the World Series or the NBA Finals or the Super Bowl, it's just too nauseating for me. Why should I put myself through it? I mean, if it's if the Astros aren't playing and if the Saints aren't playing or, you know, now, if it's teams that I don't really care that much about in terms of love or hate on the love or hate meter, then I'll certainly watch it. If it, you know, I'll watch the World Series or I'll watch the NBA Finals or I'll watch a Super Bowl if it's two teams that I don't care one way or the other, overly passionate about. But if it's like some nauseating team, no. Like the Chiefs and the Yucks, I didn't watch a play, not a single play. Um, when the when the when the Cheaters played the Ravens in the Superdome, didn't watch a single play. A lot of Super Bowls, didn't watch a single play. Now I did get talked into a few, and the one that I said I wasn't going to watch, and my family said, "Oh, come on, come on, come on, let's do it, let's go," and that I was glad I did was the second time the Midgets beat the Patriots. Now that was funny. You know, when the Midgets beat the Patriots, that was funny. So I enjoyed, I'm glad they talked me into that one. They also talked me into watching the the Cheaters play the uh, the Chiefs, and I'd have been, I'd have been, I'd have hated Patrick Mahomes forever. All, you know, all great players like we've talked about are somewhat overrated, and I think he is uh, somewhat because they build him up so much. But if, if he'd have lost that game, to the cheaters, I'd have never forgiven him ever. So they, because they talked me into watching that game, and uh, I'm like, the stupid Chiefs better win this game. But anyway, and look, and they got outplayed and should have lost. And if it wasn't for a couple of bad downs on the defensive line, everyone wants to praise Mahomes and the Chiefs like they're the greatest thing ever. But if not for a couple of bad downs on the defensive line, I, I think the cheaters would have won that game. But anyway. So I don't mind talking about it. I just don't have any plan to watch it. And from what I've heard, I've heard analysis why the Warriors are going to win. And I've heard analysis why the stupid Celtics are going to win. What what I've tried to kind of gather, and I'm not really confident, I think I've heard more people feel like the Eastern Conference playoffs were played at a higher level than the Western Conference playoffs. That seems correct to me. It it seems that that seems plausible, but I'm just wondering if the Warriors brand of basketball just kind of supersedes all that. Like they play a pretty unique brand of basketball. Um, so I'm wondering if that kind of supersedes the fact that, you know, if you feel like the third best team in the East is better than the third best team in the West or fourth or fifth or whatever, the depth wise, uh, I don't know that that matters because of how unique the Warriors are. Um, the other thing that's interesting again, and, and it's kind of sickening really. It, it really is sickening. The, the Celtics play the kind of basketball that I kind of would like, which is sickening to say. It's like the cheaters are that way. Like the way the cheaters play football right now, I actually like that. So it's sickening that the cheaters play the kind of ball that I like and the Celtics kind of play the, 
the way they play, you know, good team defense, nasty, and, and you know, I kind of like it. I kind of like their style of play, which is hard to say, but it's true. Um, so I'm not going to watch it because I'm not going to enjoy Like, what good does – what fun is it to watch a game or a series when you're you're not going to be happy if either team wins? Like what you really want to happen is for the some kind of way be a double forfeit and that can't happen. So why watch it? Like why put yourself through this? Like whatever happens, I'm not going to I don't want them to do well and I don't want them to do well. Like it's fun to watch a game if you're really supporting for someone, you really want someone to win or you really want someone to lose. But when you want both of them to lose, what fun is that to watch? I'm not going to put myself through that. But in terms of just trying to figure out who in the world is going to win, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know. I've heard good arguments on both sides. There's obviously a, a lot of history of – the Celtics matching up better against the Warriors than anybody else over the last five or six, seven years. The problem with that is they're in different conferences and they've never met in the finals. So what do those games really mean? On one hand, I'm like, yeah, they have done well. But when you're in different conferences, you play each other, what, twice a year, the mo- like twice a year. And they're not playoff games. And one's on the... Atlantic and the other ones on the Pacific and and you know you'd have to look into the circumstance like if it's at the end of this long road trip like what does that game even mean I mean it counts but in terms of Anna it's hard to know how much that means because they're in different conferences and they hardly ever play one another so it's um I, I'm I gotta tell you I'm kind of torn as far as a prediction I, I like the I, I've heard and I like the analysis. It kind of makes sense that that Boston's defense is going to be able to do to Golden State's offense what most people can't do. There, that makes sense. But I also think it makes sense that Boston's offense is just not good enough. Like Golden State, even if you play good against him, even if you do better than just about anybody else does defensively against the Warriors, can you score enough points to outscore them? And this isn't like 1996. Uh, that wasn't even basketball they played in the 90s. They played rugby in the 90s. This isn't the Knicks and the Heat from the 90s. So I I don't – I in the end, I think I would have to make a prediction. I, I think I would say that the Warriors are going to win. I just don't know if the Celtics have enough consistent offense to win uh, would be my prediction. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How you doing this morning? Oh, man. I couldn't believe. Not that y'all lost, but only scored one run at home against the Reds. Well, I mean, you win some, you lose some, you know. I mean, I ain't expecting my Red Sox to go undefeated like like Paul thinks the Yankees <laughs> should go undefeated every year, you know. Undefeated. I mean, and I mean, he said, yeah, we should be undefeated right now. But another thing, didn't if I recall, didn't he call in last week saying that Yankees fans don't uh, talk bad about other teams and everything? And he's saying if he ain't the Yankees, he just called and said that. 
if you ain't the Yankees, then everybody else is horrible. You know what I'm saying? Can't you can't you can't you can't worry about all that? I mean, Paul says crazy stuff. Oh yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy, yeah, he, man. Now he's now, a delusional he Yankee fan. Yeah, he needs to. I mean, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And he he, he was right about one thing: future World Series champions. Yep, probably in about twenty forty they'll win the World <laughs> Series, but no time soon. But uh, <laughs> man, if he can be more like in 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 his buddy, buddy Ronnie, uh, uh, Yankees fan too. No, I don't think so. I don't think Ronnie really likes Oh, no? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm, I thought it was. But I was going to say, he needs to stop counting his chickens before they hatch. There's a lot of baseball to be played. But, uh, but yeah, man, I'm trying to think positive. You know, it's still a glorious day, even though my Red Sox lost last night to the Reds, but can't win them all. You know, there's a lot of baseball to be played. But, uh, but yeah, that's all I had to say, man. Just have a good one. But all right. All right. Folks. Take care. The okay. Re- Take care. Only the Royals have won fewer games than the Reds so far this season. So it's uh it was a it was a pop on loss at home for sure. But but no, I mean man. Martin is really like he is he has really embraced this be optimistic, be positive uh approach to things, which you, you kind of need Kind of need in baseball. It's a long season. So, we talked a little bit about the NBA. The other thing going on in the world right now that I don't know that I really. Two other things we're touching on. I don't know if we're going to have time to get into both of them now before we talk a little high school football in the next segment. But this, this everything going on in the world of golf right now is kind of crazy. It's almost like. It's almost like I felt, I wonder if the PGA kind of felt like I did when the WFL came in. Before the the USFL, there was the WFL. And I, I, I've told you the story before that when I was a kid, I was a Saints fan. But the other team I liked was the Dolphins. And I remember when the WFL came and they took Zonka and uh, was it Kick and Warfield, and they went play for this. It's like, who is the WFL, and what did they want? I remember, like, what is going on here? But um, but golf's it's kind of. I, I I guess I've never had anyone come to me and say, "If you do this, I'll give you ten million dollars or twelve million dollars or whatever it is." guaranteed i obviously that's never happened to me and will never happen to me uh and so i don't really i guess none of us really know what we would do unless we're in that position but why why would you is it really worth it when you make that much money already to alienate everyone lose all your sponsors to make this big hit, and then now you're looked at kind of cross-eyed. Now, some people like being looked at cross-eyed. Some people like rocking the boat, you know, the the T.O.s of the world, and maybe Justin Johnson's kind of like that. Like, he likes being the um, whatever, nonconformist or whatever you want to call it. Like, he likes rocking the boat. The favorite 45 he ever had was the Hughes Corporation. 
So maybe he likes that. Uh, I don't know, but, man, I'm just thinking on this side, not knowing all the detail, is it really worth alienate everyone to make this big hit money-wise? I guess he's figuring I'm going to make all this money. They're not really going to be able to keep me out for very long, if at all, and people will forget it. I don't know. Just lose all your sponsorships. Is it really worth it? I don't know. Must be for Dustin Johnson and a couple others. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We come back, shift gears. Going to get connected with uh, Karen Crow High head football coach Tony Corbett. We did a interviewed a couple of high school coaches in the area, kind of post-spring football updates, where they stand going into the summer. We'll do that with the Golden Bears coach, Tony Corville, next after this timeout on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Want to remind you if you would like to win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House, it's really simple to get be eligible. Join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today, and you might win a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. All right, we have with us special guest, this man sunning on the beach, or at least he's actually on a golf course, so hopefully he's not in the sand. Karen Crow, high head football coach, Tony Corville. How are you, sir? Yeah, good morning, Kevin. How you doing? It's good to be with you, man. Yeah, I'm, I've seen the beach a couple of times. I'm playing golf, but the wrong beach I'm seeing right now. <laughs> 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 but I'm, I'm having a blast, man. Last I'll couple bet. of days, and we went to Epcot, and... Uh, Wild Kingdom, uh, and I was chasing, uh, you know, uh, baby carts. Now I'm chasing golf balls. I got you. <laughs> All right, so tell me about it. Did y'all have a traditional spring? It seems like most of the coaches we've talked to, and even some of them didn't even do spring, and some of them just did kind of inter-squad. How, how did y'all do the spring? Well, we kind of did a hybrid. Well, we did do spring, but we only had seven practices. We decided to cut them short. You know, our numbers are a little low, and then I was still having some players that had knee surgeries and stuff from last year that they were that were uh, coming back, and uh, we, you know, obviously they didn't practice anything, but they were going through drills and everything. But we decided to cut it short. But you know, we're like everybody else. I think uh, you know, I want to find out who's going to have the contact coverage. Are you going to you going to go block somebody with a tackle? And I, you know, we we pride ourselves on our DNA being uh, physicality, and. Uh, uh, we found out that quickly, and I, you know, you're going to get yourself a whole lot. And again, like I said, with the low numbers, we didn't want to be banging each other up and and, and cause that I word again, you know. So, but it was seven good days. Uh, we found a, lo- a lot about ourselves, 
you know, we still got some question marks. We still got a ways to go, but that's what uh, June 6th is for to finish these next, you know, because we know these next 60 days are critical towards uh, what you do in, in June and July, show up in August and September. So what what would you say were the one or two biggest questions in terms of, like, position groupings and, you know, personnel coming into the spring and, and in seven days were you able to at least start heading towards those answers? Well, you know, like anything else in, in, in our program, you know, what we do offensively uh, starts with the offensive line. And we lost some key guys last year. We had some guys that were injured. So that uh, in turn allowed some, you know, some, injured, uh, some younger players an opportunity to uh, come in and show us what they did. And I think we did find out that we're going to have some nice depth. Once we get everybody, that's uh, – the, the returning starters back and the, the guys that, are, that were injured back, we're going to be solid right there. And the same way on uh, on the defensive side of the ball, it was kind of kind of the back end. We lost uh, in, the, in the back end, secondary. But uh, after those seven days, you know, we know that uh, Johnny Martin's going to be the man back there for us. And uh, we we got some young guys, and then we uh, we anticipating we got some young guys, including maybe a couple of freshmen that might be able to. Uh, seriously uh, help us this year to get some significant stats for us. Now, y'all are normally have a lot of really good track athletes. Does that complicate the spring for y'all as well? It, it usually does for the first week, you know, because most of the time it's going to be skilled guys or some of the big guys, and uh, it, it does that every year. And we kind of we kind of practice that way on purpose. So uh, a couple of practices that week because we know that after the, uh, the Saturday, the first week of May, that we'll get everybody back. But it's also good because you know we always stress about our kids being two and three sport players. So if they're they're in the state state, state track meet, we're, we're happy for them. So, all right, we're speaking with Karen Crow, uh, head football coach Tony Corville. Y'all are making a big switch. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, back to to five A. When you that sounds tough, but when it comes from the district you came from. Uh, it's hard to say that it's going to be a tougher district, but I guess you—you you know, you were in 5A, you know, for so many years. It's not going to be much of a transition. Or how do you look at that? Well, I'll kind of—I'm kind of go with the first thing you said. Uh, you know, uh, even when we were in 4A, the majority of our non-district games were 5A schools, with the exception of St. Margaret, which was a quality 3A school. So we're playing 5A schools. We're playing the Rustins and the Brother Martins. So that. You know, that being said, we're you know we that's good now because the district you know we have one non-district game which is week one. That's we're playing Ash, which is uh, a really good football team, and then we're off week ten. But so in the past we knew in four A, I'll be honest with you, you know if you got a good draw, you know you could play. You had to play well first two weeks, but um, coming third week you better be ready to play. In five A, week one you better be ready to play week one. So. So in terms of the state playoffs, it's probably deeper and more difficult. But in terms of your district, you're, you're going from, a, you know, the best 4A district in the state to, uh, you know, to a 5A district. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, again, it's, you know, a lot of the schools that we, we played last year, last year is a non-district game. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Uh, the travel's a little different. You know, we, I mean, I, I don't mind. I used to complain about going back to Lake Charles, but I, I, I'm glad to take it now after taking those rushing trips and, you know, all those other uh, Washington Parish 
I'm glad to go to Lake Charles. <laughs> now, scheduling-wise, <laughs> though. Once I, get, once, I, now, once I get there, it might be a different story because you know how that is. Okay? Right, right. But, but, <laughs> but, 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 but scheduling-wise, this is a dream for football. It was, you know, it, it was. And I, cause I, and I tell you what, it, it was a little difficult week one, but I was there to get it. My problem, I still haven't got a week 10, so we're going to we're gonna go ahead and it's going to be open. You know, week nine, we have a KD in, and, you know, it's going to be a physical game, so we're going to be hopefully healing back from that, getting ready for the playoffs. So, you know, I, I, I think that week 10, if you have the open and your district open date on week 10, it seems like that's the best time to be off. Don't yeah, you think? I, I totally agree with you. Then that's what we said. Now, believe me, we did try to find some, you know, try to find a, an opponent, and it just didn't work out. You know, I don't know why. But sometimes when you call people, when they say Karen, go, they hang up on you basically. But uh, you know, it didn't work out. So we, you know, I didn't lose sleep over because we tried. And but like you're saying, you know, if we got, if there's the one to be open, tends the one to be open. Is there? Have you noticed? Attendance wise, financially, is it is it better? Do you think was it better in four A than in your five A days, or is it hard to tell Ooh. because the last few years with all the COVID, it's kind of complicated. It? Well, it, the, uh, definitely, the COVID complicated a lot of things. Uh, uh, you know, I, I know that you know when I was in the four A district, and I, you know, we had we had some schools that you played. You know, they were coming no matter what. There were some that wasn't. So. And then 5A, I mean, again, we haven't done it, but I would think, you know, it's still Lafayette, most of the Lafayette area are not very, with the exception of Lake Charles, because I think we'll get better draws. So you feel like you might make more money on your home games? I'm, I'm hoping. I'm definitely hoping. I'm um, definitely hoping. So what about depth-wise? Um, is that a concern, or do you feel like yep. you're going to have enough depth on both sides? Uh, it's definitely a concern. It's definitely a concern because I, I feel you know we're going to be in that sixty, you know, around that sixty area. Uh, you know, last year we were in the same area. We, it's the key key people getting like last year with you know, unfortunately with Chance. You know, we were down to our fourth string quarterback when we played uh, Neville. So it is what it is. Nobody feels sorry for you. You got to play the game. But yeah, it's definitely a concern. And uh, uh, you know, we we'll probably have a couple of guys that are gonna. Uh, Go both ways, and that's going to. When I say both ways, it's going to be seventy-five percent their primary, their primary position, twenty-five percent on the secondary position. So, keeping the potential for injury in mind, what does the depth at quarterback and running back look like? Well, uh, uh, you know, we, again, we bless the chance is going to be back. Uh, we have a, a, a rising sophomore, Antoine Alexander, that's done that done an excellent job for us during the spring because he did he had the position full time. But then we had our, our head trainer running. Uh, Lane Landry, who used to be a quarterback at Brewer's I was running some offense for us. But Chance would get behind and make all the calls and everything, and uh, Lane would execute the plays for us. But uh, the same thing at running back, Johnny Martin, we got Keenan Ryan, we got some young guys uh, that we, we're very excited about, just that we got to keep them healthy. So, have you gotten a. Since, you know, it became a reality in public, and y'all have known about it for even longer than it became public, what's the sense do you get from your players? Do they prefer being in 5A, or although I don't know if any of any of your players even were, do you think they prefer being in the same district with the Acadianas and Lafayettes and Comos, or do you think they prefer being in 4A? Uh, you know, that's a great question. You know, we, you know, we had to uh... – 
at the beginning, at the end of the spring, we give them a state of the union of what we do and exit meetings and stuff like that. And they just want to play. Uh, they, you know, they, I think they're glad because there's more more chances for uh, a lot. A lot of kids played each other, maybe in junior high and stuff, in the public school with the public school system with the Lafayette schools, other than uh, when it was in that 4A district. But uh, nah, they they just want to play ball. You know, they just coach us go play. And I'm happy. I'm 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 super happy about that. They just want to go out there and play ball. So it doesn't sound like because of personnel that y'all will be needing to do things scheme-wise much differently on either side of the ball. Uh, we don't anticipate that, to be totally yeah. honest with you. you know, we, we're going to go about our business. What we've been doing has gotten us to where we're at now. Continue doing it. All right, so give us a hint. If if I was going to say there's a player that didn't really do hardly anything or not very much that most an average fan would have recognized on our team last year that's going to make the biggest impact this year, who would you say that would be? Guess that would be, you know, in early June here. Keenan Ryan, the running back. He'll be a junior running back. He did play a little bit last year. But, you know, he, uh, he got some uh, experience, but I think he's, he's a guy that we have to really carry, you know, uh, Give him a bunch of carries and depend on it. He's, he's gotten a lot better. He's, he's extremely strong. He, uh, he made it to state finals and uh, power left. And he's a little bowling ball of muscle. Now, your first year at Karen Crow was what? What year? Seventeen. Well, I mean, well, or ninety. Nineteen ninety. <laughs> so, you see, I'm old, so I remember Keenan Ryan. I'm assuming that's his dad. And he was at Karen Crow before you were you were there, but he was pretty good then. Yes, sir. So yes, he sir. so he's going to be a physical running back. Absolutely, and I mean he's got he's, he's got his deceptive speed, but he's very powerful, very powerful. Well, sounds like it's going to be fun. I mean, I, I you know, I, I, I can go either way, but I, I'm, you know, I kind of like, I'm so used to all the years, Karen Crow being with Acadiana and Como and Lafayette High. It's going to be kind of fun uh, being back in that 5A district, and uh, we'll, we'll see how it works out. So I uh, hope we didn't disturb you too much. I appreciate your time, sir. No, thank you very much. I appreciate you having the interest in our program and our players. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Karen, thank, you, thank you, sir. Karen Crow High head football coach Tony Corville. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'd vote five A for Karen Crow. But uh, I mean, what a district! What a district they came from. Of course, their that district doesn't get much relief because then they just replace they replace Karen Crow with with Lafayette Christian. So it continues to be a brutal, especially football district. Ooh, man. Now, the other sports, you know, like baseball, mud, you know, it's a good di- baseball district in 4A, but that, that baseball district in, in 5A is, is really something. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back, sh- get back to our major league, first day of looking at the major league baseball standings. We'll look at the National League on the other side of this timeout. We'll be back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on 
The game, 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, your home for Houston Astros baseball in southwest Louisiana. I want to remind you, if you would like to win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, enjoy their mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection, tremendous size, and all kinds of other th- great things you need to Go to the Game Clubhouse by going on at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. It's free to sign up. It's simple. Sign up today, and you might win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. The Game Hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, I do want to talk, look at the National League. Um. Going back to the very beginning when I made predictions, I remember sitting here saying uh, the Braves are going to have a medicine season. Uh, And so far, they've had a medicine season. Uh, All signs point towards a medicine season. But I thought they could sneak in and get a wild card, and they still might. We'll see. That's still to be determined. they're, They're four games under 500. Um, they, but, but there's plenty of time left. They could still get a wild card. We'll see. And I couldn't decide who I was going to pick to make the big step forward between the Phillies or the Mets. Well, it's looking like I picked the wrong one. I went with the Phillies and the Mets have been fabulous. You know, it doesn't surprise me that the Mets have pitched really well. They have some good pitchers. They picked up Scherzer, who's hurt. You know why he's hurt? Because he's on my fantasy team for the first time. Um, and But they're offensively, they've been way better. Now, fortunately, I do have two of their offensive players, McNeil and, and Morte, on my fantasy team. But, but they have been way better offensively than they normally are, and I expected them to be. So the Mets have, you know, a bit... Much like the Yankees, very impressive. Very impressive. Plus 72 in the run differential. Um, I think the most disappointing team, hmm, I don't know if I could say that, but I am, maybe so. I think the Marlins have been pretty disappointing so far. The Marlins are plus four in run differential, and they're eight games under 500. They have way too many good pitchers to be that many games under 500. So I... I you know they just don't have a lot of history of making runs. Although when you have that kind of pitching, you should be able to win more. You really should. Like they've given up fewer runs than the Mets. The Mets have allowed fourteen more runs than the Marlins have, but they can't win any games. Like it, you know you got to be able to. Like the Astros don't score any runs. How many runs did the Astros have? 201, which is way less than the Mets, less than the Braves, but still more. The the Nationals have scored more runs than the Astros this year. The Nationals. But but the Marlins have even fewer runs than that, so the Marlins have been very disappointed just because they can't ever score a run. Um. Milwaukee uh, has been about what you would think thought they would be. Uh, they got a three-game lead. I got to tell you, the Cardinals are impressive. The Cardinals, um, you know, I don't like them because the Astros used to be in, 
in the Cardinals division and, and had a nice little rivalry with them. But they're really having a nice season, really solid. They're only three games out, I see here, and uh, in our plus 44 run differential. And, you know, they might have issues with starting pitching injuries and such, but they're, they're, they're having a really so- solid season. You know who's having the craziest most surprising kind of doesn't-make-sense season of all the teams in Major League Baseball this year. The Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates are minus 81 in run differential. Minus 81. They've only scored 166 runs. And they've given up 247. Let's see. The Rockies have given up more runs. The Reds, and that's it in the whole National League. And yet, they're only six games under 500. They just beat the the Punks two times in a row in L.A. So how can you figure out this Pittsburgh Pirate outfit? Really shocking. The Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I don't know how they've done it. Uh, the Cubs have not been good. They don't have enough pitching. The um, And the Reds have been awful, but they've started to win some games. Now, the AL West has actually been, you know, it looked really good going into the season. It's actually been better than I thought. And the reason why is the Arizona Diamondbacks are better than I thought they'd be. They're, they're, they're one of the surprise teams in baseball this year. You say, wait a minute, they're in fourth place. Yeah, but they're only a game under 500. They're not that good. I, I don't understand how they play. To me, their lineup is not all that great, although they scored about as many runs as the Astros have. I mean, Astros need to start scoring some runs. They got a minus 29 run differential, which can be significant, but not necessarily, but Man, they just they're only a game under 500. I I I'm really surprised at how well the Diamondbacks have. And I'm really surprised considering how few runs they've scored and how many they've given up, how well the how close to 500 the Pirates are. The Pirates. And the Rockies are about what I thought they'd be. But still, the last place team in the NL West is is only 4 games under 500. That's impressive. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, Foot. Yes, sir. Man, talk about that guy, Martin, is delusion, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I gave him a nickname. It's the man's called happy. Runaway Martin. You know why? Why? It's been a week since I ain't saw him. He don't want to show up to his job. I've been looking for him. Yesterday, they told me he was sitting home all day, but he want to call in the show from his, from his couch. No, 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 no. He got to see me, Foot. You stalking the man? No, I don't have to. I have to deliver that. Oh, okay, I got you. See, he, he listened to your your, your show, and he, he when I pull up, I be having you on the radio. So uh-huh. that's how I guess that's how he found out. I got that you. I the, oh, the, okay, the, I got you. So now he have no choice but to accept loss and defeat. He's an ugly Sox fan. <laughs> he got no choice. That's what they do. They are losers for it. And no, as a Yankee fan, we are the most classiest organization. We are not delusional. We just tell the truth. We just trying to help all of y'all, especially Yankee haters, speak the truth. We don't know why y'all don't see it. Accept it. We are the greatest. We are the new champs. And 
We just factors. Just we don't get just don't get upstaged by the Mets. Just don't get upstaged by the Mets later this summer. Nah, we're gonna crush it. Who's the Mets? <laughs> we are the Yankees. All right. I'm going to leave, leave you right. with that one. Go Yankees. All right. <laughs> Boy, the man's talking trash. Boy, he's going to be insufferable if the Yankees keep playing like, like this. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Kevin. Kevin. Yes, sir. Okay, to answer your question from yesterday, I'm 66. Oh, okay. But nobody's having a year like Jules. <laughs> nobody's having a year like Jules. That's oh, funny. the Cincinnati Reds roll into Fenway. <laughs> Luis Castillo throwing fastballs and change-ups. Nothing but strikeouts. One hit through eight innings. Let's see. The Reds score their first run when Devers throws the ball away. They throw the next one when Bogarts throws the ball away. Why? Because they've got Franchi Cordero playing first. He's a DH. The Red Sox treat first base like Little League treats right field. <laughs> Oh, you can put anybody at first base. <laughs> I'm telling you what, this is the Alex Cora way. This is what this guy is. He's a total zero. He was the bench coach at Houston, and I used to call Stevie P up every morning. Well, a lot of mornings when I was working back then. Alex got in early today. So he could polish that Astros bench with his old English <laughs> bench restorer. <laughs> oh man, that's oh, unbelievable! <laughs> but uh, the Padres are doing better than I thought they were going to do. The way they crumbled last year, I didn't expect them to come back like this. You know, I don't. I think they're one of the more interesting teams uh, because, like, like. Uh, Grant called yesterday, and as a Giant fan, he should think this. Oh, the Padres are going to fade and crumble again. And they might. I mean, they did it last year as bad as I've ever seen a team crumble. But, you know, Clevenger, I think, is good. And he's he's already spent two stints on a DIL, and he's about to come back. If Clevenger can pitch to his potential, I think they've got enough pitching to, to, to keep it from happening again. We'll see. Uh, and they've been doing this without uh, Tatis. Correct. Uh, the Giants, I kind of thought that they would uh, uh, come back to earth a little bit. They, they, to me, they almost had a year like Boston last year. They they played above uh, their pay grade, uh, and I was really pulling for them. But uh, they're yeah. good, but you know, not everything Kapler does is working. You know, like the, the, thing, the thing, getting back to the Padres, the thing that impressed me about them is they're eight games over 500 on the road. Like, they're a team that seems to ride the momentum of their home games, and yet they've played better on the road this year. That's a good sign for them. Yeah, well, I get to see them quite a bit because I'm up late, so I'm always watching uh, West Coast games. It, look, it's, it, to me right now, they could end the season. Put the Dodgers and the Mets in the LCS and the Astros and the Yankees and the LCS. I'd be hard. I'd be shocked if that wasn't the uh, LCS in both leagues. Well, I still think if the Brewers get any hitting 
in a series. They've got the pitching if their pitchers are healthy. All their pitchers are hurt right now. But if they get them back healthy, I still think they've got the pitching in the bullpen to win a series, but they just don't ever hit in a series. Well, I think people have had hopes for them for the past couple of years, and uh, at least up until now it hasn't uh, materialized. Yeah. But uh, – they are a possibility. I would say that they're the third best team, but I think there's a gap between the Mets, the Dodgers, and then the Brewers. So just my thoughts, Kev, but we'll be watching. Oh, and they have to face Hunter Green tonight. It's going to be fun. <laughs> they're going to light him up. They're going to light him All up. All right, Kev. All right, take care. Hunter Green has had a very interesting season. He's had some. He's a young pitcher for the Reds. He he throws really hard. He, he's had some great games and some. He has just gotten totally blasted in others. So, you know, he's a young pitcher and he's on a bad team. So that makes sense. But no, it'll be interesting to see how he matches up. But if I'm a Reds fan, I don't feel good after only giving up one run against the uh, the Red Sox last night. I would think they're gonna not not gonna be good for Hunter tonight we will see all right we'll take a timeout come back finish out the show on the other side of this timeout on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles your home for LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you then footnotes is the show for you Time for more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, if you would like to win a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen, where you could eat some fried cheese sticks or a barbecue pork sandwich. Man, I'd like to have one of those right now. It's real easy. All you need to do is go to the website, sign up for the game clubhouse, and you might win a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. All right, one more thought about our first glance at the Major League standings today. Who would have thought that at this point of the season on June the 1st that the Astros, who have not hit the ball at all, like, they're having a miserable first two months offensively. The Astros have scored 10 more runs than the Toronto Blue Jays. And the Astros haven't done anything offensive. Seems like they never score a run. They've scored 10 more runs than the Toronto Blue Jays, who have on paper all these great hitters. The, da- the other side of that deal is they've pitched way better than people were thinking in Toronto. So... If I'm a Toronto fan, I'm thinking, man, we scored. Haven't scored hardly any runs, and we got all these supposedly all these great hitters. What's going to happen when we actually start hitting? That's what I'm saying. I would not feel too good if I was sitting, you know, around the Blue Jays right now because they're going to start hitting eventually. They've just got too many good hitters. All right, I appreciate Tony Corville and Cokie Riley coming on and all the great calls. Y'all have a nice day.